Hello, I am Philippa Werner, otherwise known as Moira Katzen, and I'm here today to introduce the first stretch goal for the Sundered Throne Kickstarter. With the initial campaign funded in three days, we are now turning our attention to an audiobook. And not just any audiobook, an audiobook narrated by the wonderful multi-award winning Emma Sherjarko. Now, those of you who have read my books may recognize Emma as the voice behind Shadowborn and the other Light and Shadow audiobooks. She is also the alum of Wolf 359, which ran for four seasons, and over two dozen other audio dramas, video games, and audiobooks. With her amazing audio coming up, I'm not going to subject you to mine anymore. So I hope you enjoy this excerpt from the perspective of the enigmatic and deeply amoral Empress Consort, Vidanet. Chapter 7. Vidanet. Lagos. It was all coming apart. Vidanet's fingertips trailed on the stone and the drums beat above, ceaseless, as she descended into the temple's depths, steps quick in the darkness. The air itself reverberated with the sound of drums. They had been beating for two days now, audible from every corner of the palace. She had grown used to the sound of them, but it was one thing to hear them from her megaron or her private chambers, and quite another to be here, drowning in the noise. But it was better this way. The sound wrapped her up, cushioned her so that not a whisper of her prayers would escape this place. It was rare that she took the risk of coming here. There was nothing to be gained from it. No wisdom, no guidance, no hope. How many times had she come here in the early months, wishing against all reason for a miracle? No wishing for something that would justify her cowardice. She stopped, tipping her head back until she had control of the tears that threatened. There was a chill in the air here, enough that her skin tightened with it. She had not stopped to find a cloak when she slipped out of the room this morning. She had not wanted to risk waking Kine. The servants were not even awake then. Only Vidanet and her two Evzoni, their uniforms crisp, their swords and knives honed to a mirror polish. The Evzoni did not accompany her here. They were forbidden even to set foot in the innermost portion of the temple, much less to descend the steps that led to this place. Only the ruler and the consort were allowed here. Those who built it had put out their own eyes and had their tongues cut out to keep its secrets, or so the story went. This temple had seen the honest prayers of all the rulers of Dalar and had been blessed by Empress Eudoxia herself when Elenica was split. Even Mahat had not seen it until the day he was crowned, and both he and Vidanit had been shocked by it. They expected gold and jewels. They expected frescoes. Instead, it was a simple room with white floors and white walls, Nine square pillars around its circular edge represented the gods, not picked out in exquisite detail, not even named in script. Each pillar was identical. The room was not open to the sky, but some complicated arrangement of mirrors and tunnels brought light from the outside. 
Vidanit slowed as she approached the final door. She reached out a hand to touch the handle. Not yet. Alone at last, for the first time in months, she sat down gracelessly on the stairs and considered the darkness. And that was when the tears came at last. Vidanit pressed the heel of her hand into her mouth to muffle the sound and rocked back and forth. Even here, even alone, even with the drums, she could not let herself be heard. She had served too hard an apprenticeship at this court to risk it. Once she began crying, she could not stop. Tiny whimpers escaped her, pathetic little noises, the mewling of an injured animal. Coward. Every time she thought the word, the sobs racked her anew, but she could not stop thinking it, lashing herself with it. People were going to die because of her, because she hadn't been brave enough to do what needed to be done. She slumped against the wall as the tears began to quiet. Her breath was not under her control yet. Her face felt as if it would burst. Miros had been such a beautiful child. She remembered the tumble of black curls he'd been born with and the way his eyes were always alight with mischief. The golden child of the family. The daring one. Whenever his family left their sun-drenched home in the West and came to court, they would never wear the bare-armed styles that were in fashion, instead cloaking themselves heavily against the mild chill of Lagos's evenings. Except Miros. He never seemed to be touched by the cold or by the heat. He was everywhere and in everything. He would sneak into Vedanit's chambers and even Mahat's. The wedding was yet to happen, but Vidanit already had her status at court. Ladies-in-waiting, in a suite of rooms with her own receiving chamber, a pair of Evzoni as her personal guards. Her place as Empress Consort had been an inevitability. The most any other family could hope for was to slip someone into Mahat's bed for a time and reap the rewards. Even at that age, Vidanit saw Miros mark which lords and ladies were kind and which held a knife edge in their words. He was charming to all, such a smile, but he knew. He saw everything. She had always known he would go far. She had not seen this coming. No one had. The first rebellion had been very different, very open. Letters sent to all the nobility, a call to arms, an army marching with standards held high. Ajax was never one for subtlety, nor for compromise. Not that Mahat would have offered any. He did not see Malatya as Vedanit had, a memory of clear skies and mountain flowers. He saw only the army and the descent. It was one of their enduring fights over the years. Mahat had gone on his own royal progress when he was young, and he saw no reason to do another when he ascended the throne. Vidanit had gone alone to meet the lords in their castles, the priests in their sanctuaries, the farmers in their fields. It had been lucky, in the end, that she went alone. She had sheltered for a time with the priests near the peak of Mount Giona, had grown to love the mountain air and the eastern virtues of silence and austerity. Lygos had seemed so frivolous when she returned, so removed from the lands it ruled, and Mahat had not been interested in hearing about any of it. For two decades, neither of them had been willing to back down. 
Her, calmly voicing relevant customs and economic facts about a given region where he was having trouble. Him appearing to ignore her. As often as not, he took her advice, and his edicts were better for it. But he never acknowledged that. He hadn't listened during the last rebellion. He met force with force. He crushed the eastern armies and threatened execution on the nobles who did not back him. He had staged a trial for Ajax, though there was nothing to it but pageantry. Ajax, after all, was only too ready to announce his own guilt. Only at the end did he waver when he saw that the others would not back him, when he wondered what might become of his daughter. And when Mahat came to Vidanit at last for advice, when he came to her at the end of all of it and asked how best to crush that daughter entirely, how to rob Malatya of the chance for another rebellion without having the people rise up, Vidanit should not have answered. She should have known better than to help Mahat do things his way. She had done this. She had not given Malatya to Miros. She had given Miros to the east. And now he came back like a knife seeking her heart. She had known he was ambitious, but there had not been the slightest premonition that it would end like this. Because end it must, if she'd had the courage to take the throne three years ago. No! Her fear was instinctive. She recoiled from it and hissed between her teeth. Yes! Coward! She had been raised to rule. She was of the minor bloodline of Dalar, but royal blood was royal blood. She had it, and she had been taught her duty. She learned languages, history, trade, accounting, scriptures. She read the rarest accounts of the Sundering and spoke with the scholars amongst the Clerica. She had been only a child when she accepted her destiny. To reunite Elenica. It was Elenica that had turned the tide in the last Sundering, and its division had not made it stronger. Severed from each other, Daylar and Varshan were both decaying, Varshan wandering even deeper into heresy, Daylar grinding itself to dust with rebellions. Vidanit had feared civil war since she was old enough to understand the currents of resentment and independence that ran through the nobility. When the godlings came back, a divided Elenica would fall, and the sundering would sweep across the earth like a scythe. She had prayed to every god not to let Dalar end in fire and ruin, but instead to become more, to be restored. It had seemed so clear, so sure. She imagined ruling at Mahat's side, his most trusted advisor, present in his meetings, cherished for her counsel. She imagined them united in purpose. He had wanted none of it. He wanted Vidanit's bloodline for an heir, a twice-royal heir, and he wanted nothing else from her except to leave him alone. He did not want her in the council chambers and went out of his way to exclude her. He hated that she gave him advice on his kingdom, hated that she dared disagree with him. In the later years, as his obsessions took hold, she shivered convulsively. The tears had dried on her cheeks, and she was so cold. When it came down to it, Mahat would rather have ruled half of an empire, guiding humanity into its twilight, than set aside some of his power and give his people a new dawn. You want me to give them my crown? 
Never. Please, Mahat, if you want Elenica reunited, I'll conquer Varshan for you. Just give me an air. Ah, the fights. Lying together, furious and sweat-soaked, trying to conceive the air that would let them quit each other's company. For, by that time, she had given up any hope of convincing him. The child she had never conceived should have been the one to unite the shards of Elenica. She had thought often of how she would tell them stories at night. She pictured brown hair and her eyes, Mahat's stubborn chin, a child listening in the darkness with their tiny body curled against hers. And, when they were older, a marriage to bind Delar and Varshan once more. She had thought there would be a child of both their blood, and then, once that hope began to grow dim, she had thought there would be more time. It was her destiny to reunite Elenica. It must be possible. But when the world had handed her the chance, then she had learned what cowardice was. She remembered those days. The endless screams, the chains, the arch-cleric's face, all of them telling her the same thing, that Mahat would never be himself again. She knew at once, while she watched the thing that remained, that this was her destiny here to claim her. She had seen the path laid out before her, shining bright. What Mahat had never accepted, he could no longer deny. Take the throne, lay down her pride, and make the offer he would never have allowed. For while there was no child of both their blood, there was a child. There was a path open to her, if only she would take it. And if she would not, Dalar would break itself on rebellion after rebellion, until nothing was left to make Elenica whole. She had not taken the chance when it was offered three years ago, and now there was blood to be spilled. Alone in the darkness, she stood and went to the door. She had the sense that the darkness was listening to her. It will be so beautiful, she said, pleading. Elenica should never have been split. We both knew that. How often had she spoken these words in her head? How often had she spoken them aloud when he could still hear her? Mahat! Her voice broke again. She bent her head against the door and shook. It is time! There was a rustle from the darkness beyond the door, and she startled back. Panic choked her. Her hand was on the latch. She wanted to see him with her own eyes and be sure that this had not all been a terrible mistake. But today, she could not bear the sight of what remained. Her time as Mahat's consort was over. Today, in truth, if not in name, she became Empress, and she would move swiftly, decisively, before anyone knew what she had done. Goodbye, she told him. The dragon's snap of chains was her only answer, and she bore it with a silent flinch. Then she turned and climbed the stairs once more in silence. She did not think of Miros's careless smile and his mop of black curls. Instead, as her fingertips brushed the stone, she saw another pair of eyes in her mind's eye, another smile. Mountain air, the walls of the monastery, a hollow place in her chest, a face seen only fleetingly 
never studied. There was only one scion left of Dalar's royal line. Mahat was gone. Vidanit could no longer bear children. Her niece was a priestess and had sworn never to marry, and Miros had committed treason. That left the bastard. She went to go find Fastos and drive the rot from Dalar. I hope you enjoyed that excerpt as much as I did, because... Holy crap. The link to the Kickstarter is below, and the stretch goal is $6,000. So another 4800 over the initial campaign goal. Now, those of you who are familiar with how much audiobooks cost to produce are probably wondering how we're managing on that budget. For those who are not familiar, let me simply say that Emma is doing us an incredible favor by helping us produce within this budget. This goal and audiobook is deeply important to me. So on that note, if you go to the Kickstarter and you do not see the rewards that you're hoping for, comment and let me know. I will try to make it happen. I've also linked to Emma's website below if you're interested in reaching out to her about a project. Thank you again to everyone who's already backed. I am so excited to bring this project into the world. <laughs>